Today on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your Week in IndyCar guest show, I don't even want to call you a guest. You're my brother. You're my French fry. You're my Texas cheese fry now as the official driver of the number 14 AJ Foyt Enterprises Chevrolet Sebastian Bourdais. How you doing, my friend? Where are we finding you this Wednesday afternoon? Uh, finding me in Indy. So yeah, just uh, just getting ready for uh, for an exciting weekend, the start of a new chapter, and uh, yeah, pretty excited. Holy crap, man! You got a job. You get to play IndyCar driver, race car driver. You did some testing earlier in the year, but let's talk about this to open, and then we're going to get to all of our listener questions, which are awesome. Tell me about been a year it's been more than a year since your last indycar race you've been racing plenty in imsa and at lamont and all that but what are the feelings knowing at least on the open wheel wheel to wheel go flying down to turn one friday afternoon for the first race of this harvest grand prix doubleheader what are the feelings man being out of the cockpit and race competition for uh, for over a year now yeah, I mean, obviously, it's been a it's been a weird year for all sorts of uh, uh, reasons, but mostly one, which we all know, which starts with a C, and that's not that's not been very fun. But is uh, that coin or COVID it, or both? <laughs> well, actually, it'd be both. Okay, just being clear. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, just just really happy that uh, you know I'll be back uh, I'll be back in IndyCar uh, to uh, you know get things going and pretty much. Uh, start our 2021 effort um this year with uh with two weekends and uh, three races and um yeah pretty excited to uh, to get going well why don't we move to our listener q a brought to us by cooper tires and the justice brothers torontomotorsports.com and also bell racing helmets usa they're in no particular order we'll also mention plenty of you thank you by the way sent in questions that we recently covered off in one of Seb's appearances of what's your favorite car and such. So you might listen to a little bit of our back catalog because I don't want to throw the same things right back at you. But let's open with this little bit of random fun with our pal Paul Trahan. says, after all the craziness that 2020 has had to offer Seb, how happy are you to be back in an IndyCar on a scale of grumpy Robin Miller to bubbly Marshall Pruitt? So where what if 1 to 10... One to a hundred. Where are we putting you on the scale of happiness to get back to your natural habitat? The bubbly Marshall Pruitt. Huh? <laughs> wow. Yeah. No. I mean, obviously, it's it's great. I mean, it's it's a huge challenge. Uh, we know it's it's not going to be easy. Uh, the team hasn't enjoyed the success or the performance at the track that they've been, you know, striving and working for, and um, it's it's it might be a bumpy road might be hard but uh that's that's what we're going to be going for and uh um you know I, i'd like to say that you know I, we're going to have a an easy way out of this and maybe we will but you know bottom line um it's my it's the opportunity that i have to get back in in the seat and and drive for another legend of of motorsports uh with with aj and uh and it's just a great opportunity, so I'm just going to uh, size it and just uh, make the best of it. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we, we can put a, a smile back on AJ's face and, and bring him the results that he's been uh, waiting for for a little while now. Let's go to our pal John Wojnar. says, Seb, what's your focus for the rest of the year? 
I guess I'll also keep in mind the rest of the year is less than a month of racing now. But uh, he asks, what is your focus for the rest of the year? Finishing the season strong in these three races uh, as opposed to kicking off next year with the same team? Curious mindset, brother, because we know about the leader circle and wanting to make sure that uh, the 14 car earns one for next year. But if you're not super fast uh, and the team's not super fast, but you're learning good things, is that as valuable? I mean, I'm curious what you're setting for expectations or, or quality expectations to come out of the weekend. Uh, well, first of all, obviously, my year is still a, a, a month and a half long. <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be pretty busy because uh, it it was mid Ohio last weekend, the uh, the uh, harvest the GP heater, and then um, a week off going to Petit Le Mans with JDC again in the Cadillac and St. Pete and Laguna and finish off with the 12 hours uh, mid-november so it's uh, it's going to be pretty hectic uh which which is great i mean obviously uh, it's been it's been quite hectic for since uh since le mans really um and uh it's, it's been kind of a fun fun time fun period but as far as you know our indycar efforts concerned like you said there's only uh, only two weekends three races um tough uh you know, tough and tall order for us, obviously. Uh, I haven't been in the car in six months. Uh, the results hasn't, haven't been, you know, all that great. And, uh, and you know, we're just trying to evaluate uh, where we're at, really. Because when I last drove the car, I was pleasantly surprised with uh, our level of performance and pace in general. Though it's been very limited because from the full day test we were supposed to get at Coda, we got all but two hours on the drying track pretty much and, and a day at Sebring. Um, so, you know, kind of tough to, to really draw conclusions and, and, and really get the full picture. But um, nevertheless, I think, um, like I said, uh, this, this end of 2020 is really the, the start and the preparation for 2021. It's a great opportunity to kick things off uh, and, and get started. Uh, identify flaws if we have some and, and try and, and find remedies over the winter. Uh, and then, you know, just build off of, of that. So um, I don't really know what success or failure would be like. I don't really care. I don't even really want to spend any kind of energy uh, mm. on that. Um, I'm very much of a guy who just tries to do the best he can at any given time and and any given race. And, um, and, you know, for sure, I I know, you know, talking to Larry that, you know, they'd be pretty happy with the top 10. Uh, And I think that's, yeah, I mean, that, that would be, that would be a solid start. Um, But, you know, if, if we, if we find out that we're off because the balance is not there or, whatever reason it just you know gonna push us to to dig deeper and try and find solutions for next year and um and that would still be a lot better than we'd be uh, without having those two opportunities at, at uh, the gp and and uh, st pete so yeah just really looking forward to the opportunity to kind of identify where we're at and uh, and get get to work because there's going to be plenty of that ahead of us Ain't that the truth? A little bit of a follow-up question. I think this might be more related to 2021 than this year, but 
Cody Oakwood asked, does driving the legendary number 14 car carry any added pressure, considering that number is synonymous with AJ? Says, uh, can it act as added motivation knowing Foyt's fans, like himself, are desperate to see the 14 running towards the front again? I mean, you you know this, having been in IndyCar for a long time, that you're tr- using a number, my friend, that there's a whole legion of open-wheel fans who look to that in kind of a mythical number. Yeah, it is. And funny enough, it was actually my uh, dad's favorite number. <laughs> he raised that number in, oh, in wow. Europe <laughs> quite a few times. Um, but I, I'm, I just don't function like that. Like, I, I know the expectations. I know why you know i've been offered that um that job and 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 i know that it won't be forgiving you know i mean we're gonna have to perform i'm gonna have to perform and and if i don't you know then there's not gonna be any mercy and and i'm not looking for it you know i'm I'm looking for the opportunity to do the best job i can uh and and you know make it happen for aj like i said i mean he obviously has had a team that's been synonymous with um, success for many years and and non-success for too long. And, and he's not happy about it. Larry's not happy about it. Nobody in the organization is happy about it. But I guess that's just racing, really. You know, I mean, nobody races to compete at the back. So, you know, it just comes a bit of a higher pressure cost, you know, when you drive the 14 and, and for AJ for racing and AJ in person. Because I know that, you know, if we don't perform when he's going to be sitting on that timing stand looking at me, it's not going to be like, hey, congratulations, you asshole. You know, so it's it's just one of those where I, I know he's going to be he's going to be carrying expectations and I'm going to have to live up with it or live up to it because otherwise it's not going to be fun. But that that comes with the job, you know, I mean. And, and I've been through that many times in my career. I think it's no different. It's just, it's part of it. I think we have just found an awesome but unintended benefit of the arrow screen. If things don't go well, all the <laughs> wrenches and stuff that AJ <laughs> might throw at you at a pit stop or on pit lane, in theory, ding, it's going to bounce off. You're going to be safe. Granted, um, uh, the left side I and sure right hope side. sure it doesn't come down to that. I know. Well, I was going to say, I need to look because I have a feeling the left and right side of that thing might already be dented up from things he's thrown. But anyways, uh, we transgress. Got a couple more questions about, you know, feelings of, of what would be a successful season for you next year and so on. Um, let's go to Joshua Chrome, kind of just along that theme. I don't know if it's so much give me the exact things you would use to qualify success or failure, but he's curious about, is there anything else the team is doing to move forward uh, that might help in being more competitive in the series? So I know you're not here to try and break any news and such, but surely you're not just signing to drive the car without trying to push the rest of the organization uh, towards brighter, brighter performances. You able to have any influence there, brother, in recruiting some folks or suggesting things? Well, I mean, I, I, there's been a huge revamp, obviously, already on the engineering side. And honestly, I very much like what I saw uh, from from the little time we've had together. Um, there's there's a bunch of smart people involved. And, you know, maybe it's just a matter of piecing it all together and getting a bit of a lucky break and getting the show on the road and on the right foot. Maybe it's, 
you know, continuing to reinforce it and, and, and keep working hard at it until you really kind of go through an event or a couple of events and really kind of have time to reflect and see why things have worked out and where things haven't worked out. I don't think you really want to make any changes. I don't think you can um, identify anything. So that's why I think really those two races or two race weekends are, are critical for us. Uh, it's to really evaluate, you know, where are we at? And, you know, it's, it's kind of unfair because it's, it comes in a, in a set of circumstances where you have almost no time to turn around and, and try something else <clears throat> because, you know, with the limited the track time and, and the condensed schedule and condensed weekends, then, you know, really like you, we're going to have two races this weekend, two qualifying and a 75 minute practice to figure it all out. So we'd better hit the ground running. Otherwise it ain't going to be great. Um, but that's, that's just the game it is right now. And that's what rookies have been facing this year, which is, uh, which is probably the, the worst time to try and, and fix things or learn things. And probably also why Scott has just been killing everybody this year, because he's got so much experience, uh, that they've just been able to capitalize and, and just, you know, put all that experience to work and, and make it happen. I love it. Uh, why don't we go into this a little bit of a add on question, uh, pivoting off of Joshua's entry here. So you have driven for a number of big professional teams, manufacturers. You've done stuff with a lot of really impressive organizations. This is a one, this is one with a Foyt team that again, it's you know the oldest it's been around forever. Tell us about two things, Seb, how do you integrate yourself into a new team that is long established been around longer than you and i think have been alive how do you integrate yourself into a new team and figure out how to express your thoughts and suggestions that are then received in a positive way and how do you do this say proactively meaning once you get home after the harvest gp is it Zoom calls with Larry Foyt and Scott Harner. Is it long email saying, hey, guys, these are all my thoughts of things we might improve or do differently, or here's a, a big positive want to say thank you for the way you did this. This is amazing. How do those two processes work? Because depending on how a driver maybe conducts themselves, you might either have a team that's really receptive <laughs> or you might have one that says, screw you, man. I don't like the way you're trying to talk to us and give us suggestions on how to do whatever we should do? Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of a tough question to answer, to be honest, but um, I think anybody who's worked with me and, and knows me, you know, a little knows that I, I can't help it, but just be brutally honest as willpower told me once. Uh, and, and that's just the way I function. Like I'm, I'm not going to throw flowers at people just to please them. That's just not the way I, 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 yeah, I've, I've worked on myself to try and do that, but I just like, I guess even if I was saying such a thing, my face would just betray me anyways. <laughs> so it's just not, it's not even worth going there. And, and I'm extremely, uh, demanding on myself, which means that I also have some expectations of the people that I work with and I hate mediocrity. 
to a point that drives me crazy. Um, and, and that's just, that's, you know, I guess that comes with any kind of someone who's, who's, you know, work towards trying to achieve any kind of, you know, something good in his life or in his career. Um, and, and so therefore I'm not ever trying to be mean to be mean. Uh, some people find it mean when you say it the way it is. Some people enjoy it because there's basically no need for the pretending and the, you know, the, the, the politics and, and, and all of that comes with it. Uh, and that's just, that's the way I function. So um, I think, you know, coming back to the broader of the question, really just saying, well, you know, with the, 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 the history of the team and all of that, I think there has been so much change in the team. You know, Scott Horner is obviously fairly new to the organization. There's a bunch of people that are fairly new to the organization. The engineering is back to a different organization with quite a few different faces. So really, and that, you know, as far as the indie shop is concerned, there's really not that much um, that's kind of established and, and kind of got inertia and that's not ready to make adjustments. And let's face it, I mean, if they were calling me up, I mean, as, you know, I'm not, I'm not called to be the savior of the day. Like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm certainly not going to present it like that at all. But at the same time, if, if I've been asked to come and join, it's also because they know that you know they they need some direction to try and and point them in in the right direction they they're very receptive they're actually asking questions they and i'm trying not to overthink it and 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 come up with too much baggage and too much experience or too much uh preconceived ideas because every time you get to a new team with a different set of philosophy with everything that changes all the time, you know, preconceived ideas of what you think worked two years, three years, five years, 10 years down, you know, ago, it just, it doesn't really mean that it, it's valid anymore. So even yourself, you have to put things, you know, and, and reevaluate and, and never think that you got it. Um, so I'm, I'm more that guy I make, you know, I, I try to evaluate and, and, and feel you know how things work and and if i see something i i'm going to discuss it with the person i'm not going to go to larry to ask scott to do this who's going to ask mike to do that you know we're just going to sit down we're going to talk about it and you know in the most productive and efficient way possible and that's that's the only way i know see this is why i love doing this you said you don't like mediocrity by the way which is kind of funny because you consider me a friend and do this show so clearly you don't stick to that standard at all times but no it, but i got i know nothing about journalism so that's why i can't judge see so don't try and learn <laughs> because then we won't be friends anymore um but i love stuff like this Evan. and i hope our readers enjoy it as well because this these are the kinds of things that make so much difference in a team's success, and it might not be current success this weekend. It could be next year. It could be the year following. But you or any other you know, champion-grade driver climbing into a car, going quickly, uh, finishing however you finish, that's great. There are engineers involved and mechanics and setup sheets and all kinds of things. But it's the way you all work together, talk together, the agreements that you form, hey, maybe this is a team. 
and I'm not again, I'm not saying Foyt in particular, but maybe you're you are coming into a team at some point in time where it is a very soft uh, culture where folks really don't like being pushed or called out or you know just everything's done in a very gentle way is not to upset one another. I've been in teams like that where folks just don't like to hear criticism. So everyone kind of dances on the surface and doesn't get to the point. And when you have a driver like yourself, and we know Scott Dixon's one of those, and we know that there are other drivers who are straight to the point. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make victories and championships. Just always interesting, I think, for folks to hear about the fact that Forget what you see during the NBC broadcast. Understand that behind the scenes, a driver who's willing to come in and be brutally honest is not doing that just to be a jerk or that's their natural personality type. It's coming from a place of, can you all join in on this process? And don't be thin-skinned and get hurt easily. If we're not where we want to be, then let's be really honest with each other and see how we can get there. But if we don't all join in this mental, emotional, whatever process behind the scenes to do it, you're not going to see the results or it might take much longer to get there. So, Well, yeah, I mean, you can't fix something that you're not obviously first identifying as the issue and, and not being willing to, to look at it, you know, admitting it's an issue. So, I mean, if you if you avoid or dismiss, you know, <laughs> Uh, dysfunctionalities, you're you're not going to get better. And that's kind of what it comes down to. I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast. One of the last IndyCar teams that I worked for, it's terrible, this thing called Team Extreme in the Indy Racing League. Uh, Our team manager was a very rah-rah ex-military guy. Good guy, liked him and all those things. He was just not a good manager of people. And so rather than talk to us and give us his excuse me, expectations for the year, uh, setting the right culture, staying on top of that culture. Uh, He asked me to help type out a one-page list. It's basically a manifesto of how the team was supposed to act, how they're supposed to do things, how we were, it was just one page. Uh, I think it was bullet pointed, all caps, might've even been all bold. And that's everything he had to say about how we should be a team. And he asked me to type it up for him uh, and print it out and tape it inside. Here's the playbook. <laughs> yeah, inside the, the main door and I think one other place. So every time you walked in and out of the trailer, uh, you would see it. Brother, that was it. <laughs> That's leadership right there. There was no pre-race, pre-event. Hey, let's all go have dinner. Let's bond. Let's whatever else. It was, oh, no, I there's a hundred words taped to the door. That's your instruction for the year. Go do it. And you go, um, I don't think that's the way Newman Haas did it. I don't think Roger Penske taped something on the wall and doesn't talk to anybody again for more or less rest of the year. It's just, just highlighting the fact that a coalition of the willing, uh, even if it's hard conversations, that's where you get to good places. So there you go. Uh, let's go to Tim Peters says, if AJ asked you to run a silver crown, uh, sprint car at the Springfield mile, would you be excited? Um, or asked, do I really have to 
Have you ever had a desire to do the kind of the short track American crazy, uh, crazy stuff, Seb? Uh, I've, I've been tempted to do more dirt stuff. Um, uh, you know, crown cars on, on pavement. I, I don't know. I think it sounds a little, uh, uh, I think I've I've burnt enough of uh, of my lucky uh, candles, I guess, um, to uh, to really kind of dare that. Um, but but dirt stuff, yeah, I'd definitely be pretty uh, pretty excited. The, the the couple of experiences what I which I had with uh, Paul Newman, I, I really much enjoyed. Um, but that would that would take quite a bit of uh, of preparation because there's like I said, I mean, uh, there's very little I want to do without feeling like I actually stand a chance and feel prepared. You also would have to probably do a lot of things to make your wife Claire really happy, uh, because this just sounds like one of those things. Of like you're gonna go do what? No, idiot, you're not. Um, I think I think thankfully AJ is, is you know getting old enough that he probably has had enough of that crap, <laughs> and then and then at this point, you know, we probably have enough work to to do to try and straighten you know our current situation uh, before we even think about you know having had other challenges. I love it. All right, we're going to get to a couple of sporty car questions, and then we're, we're not too far from being done. Got a special final question lined up for you from a particular idiot friend of mine. Uh, but speaking of non-idiots, our friend Peter Nutt from Holland. Seb, any chance you'll be part of a French hypercar or LMDH effort at Le Mans? Or curious if those things might not be compatible with your upcoming Floyd campaign in 2021. So... Good question, kind of with a bigger picture, Seb. Sports cars have been a big part of your life for a long time. Any thoughts on whether you'll be able to play in IMSA, WEC, Le Mans, whatever? I mean, you know, first and foremost, obviously, like I said, the JDC uh, season's not over. We're going to obviously try and do the best we can for Mustang Sampling, Cadillac, and, and the team uh, to uh, to finish that season on, on you know, a high note. Um then I I already offered you know to be the third driver for the long races um, if they're not mad at me and they want me to be involved so the ball balls in in their camp and uh, I and called JDC as, team owner John Church by the way last week and he sent me to voicemail after the first ring so yeah, I don't know you we're know in the meeting and I saw your name pop up I was like what does he want again. Well, I just figured he's mad at me because I know you. So, you know, and he just held a meeting to try and prove the fact. So, so, so that's the thing. And then after that, uh, obviously, we have that 2021 season in IndyCar coming. Um, God knows what happened after that. I mean, obviously, I, I've seen a lot of familiar faces at Le Mans. Um, you know, all of the um, mechanics and, and engineers were at, you know, on site looking at you know what's changed since the Peugeot program came to an end at at the end of 11 of uh of 11 yeah. um and and uh, yeah i mean it's very it's kind of weird it's uh, like obviously i'm i'm 8 years older and you know i don't know if i'll have an opportunity to to reunite with those guys if i'm still appealing to 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 a brand like Peugeot in in whatever their endeavors are going to be with the hypercar but um, yeah, I mean, we obviously talked about it and, and, you know, we'll see, we'll see if there is a place for me in, in, you know, 
whatever capacity but uh but yeah i mean it's obviously it's no secret that everybody knows that um you know putting my name on that trophy at the 24 hours overall uh is something that uh, i'd very very much like to achieve uh yeah i did my you know did i miss my shot maybe maybe not i guess we'll see uh, we'll see if there's something else for me but uh yeah for sure there's i, I still have a lot of friends uh, who are going to be operating that that program, uh, both on the chassis and and the engine department, and um, yeah, it'd be be cool to be be part of it. They better bring you back so you can go get that overall win. That'd be pretty darn cool. Then we just need to get you entered with Mercedes at Monaco, uh, and then get you that Indy 500 win, and we got you triple crown. We're all done. Um, our pal Jerry Suddeth says, after driving the Ford GT and the Ferrari 488 at Le Mans, can you share any insights on strengths and opposite of strengths with each machine? You had your own private Ford versus Ferrari, as I wrote, uh, at Le Mans. <laughs> well, I mean, really, you know, after driving, obviously, both cars, the one thing that sticks out is that, obviously, as we all knew, Ford came out with, you know, a, a missile in in a gunfight kind of thing. Uh, we we all saw it um, in the way that obviously to try and equalize and make the the forward part of of that fight, they had to restrain it and and you know diminish the boost and put weight in it and and all of that. So really, the first year before we even figured out the uh, the chassis side and and optimized it and didn't really you know, have any tires developed for it. Uh, we ended up winning the race in 16 with Joey and, and Dirk, and, and that was awesome. But then after that, it was just frustration for the most part because, you know, that first year we could pass people down the straights. That was fun. And then after that, we were the ones getting passed and couldn't pass anyone, which is, you know, almost half of the battle at Le Mans. So the Ferrari is obviously much more of a GT compared to the Ford that was so much more of a prototype. And so, yeah, the, the way you drive the, the Ferrari was quite different with you know that feel of driving a gt much more but also coming with the upside of having quite a bit more power and and being able to to be a contender and being able to pass people down the straight so um yeah just just a very very different perspective hmm let's go to kyle ray asking an interesting piece of history love exploration on seb what were your thoughts at the time when Champ Car ran high downforce packages on ovals, such as Germany in 03, Las Vegas in 04 and 05, as opposed to the typical speedway wings uh, that Champ Car normally ran. He asks, was it considered dangerous or a joke, or was it embraced? Um, so I'm very conflicted on that. Uh, conflicted because I felt like I wasn't doing my job. Uh, I won, won quite a few of them actually. I, I was I was you know lucky. I mean Newman Haas was obviously doing an awesome job. I won my first super speedway at Lausitz and then won Vegas twice and and uh, um, so it was pretty good you know, average of wins again in on super speedways. But really there, there wasn't any kind of super speedway skills required, uh, which I didn't have any. Because uh, I'd never driven a car on low downforce, my only experience until I I got into the IndyCar series uh, was uh, the 500 in 05, uh, which didn't go so bad. But you know, still, that pretty much was the only thing I had. And uh, so, 
I wish I had had to learn and and would have won on super speedways with the skills and not just kind of like the better preparation from the guys and the fact that um you know it really wasn't that hard you just had to be smart know how to place your car in traffic and just kind of it was not so much driving it was more tactics and i guess i was pretty decent at it um but at the same time i was extremely happy that unlike in the rl we didn't have a super competitive compact and and a high number of cars because that was definitely a recipe for disaster which unfortunately we all knew and and lost you know a couple of friends on the way because of it uh so yeah just yeah quite conflicted on that you know there's a couple questions that i've missed here i should maybe lump into one um adam pellick asks maybe the most succinct of them uh, what are the biggest hurdles Seb, of driving a gt car one weekend a dpi after that and an indy car next i know you've answered this question before but i'm also uh aware that we have new fans to the sport who uh, might not know that uh for some folks it's a serious problem for others not so much of a problem what about you mr i'll drive anything at any point in time yeah, I mean, I, I always enjoyed it. I've, I've done it ever since '99. Um, was the first time I drove a, a, a GT when I was in Formula Three. It was a GT2 Porsche. Um, can't, can't make a bigger jump than that, as far as uh, concepts. And uh, and I enjoyed it. And then after that, I jumped in prototype, and I enjoyed it. And and I've always been very open and and happy to try different things. Uh, I think it's it's extremely uh, uh, good for driver's kind of experience and and increasing his knowledge and and um and i i've I've become a better driver doing it for sure um you know especially driving at le mans at night in the rain on the drying track uh in extremely challenging conditions Uh, i was always red hot after le mans always like just the fact that you drive multiple hours, especially when the conditions were horrendous and like it was almost like a enlightening and, and just like tripping a switch, you know, just like taking you to the next level, stupid. And and yeah, I've, I've become a better driver and, and I always, you know, cherish those moments and, and these, those experiences. And and that's why I've, I've done it. First, I enjoy it. Second, I know it makes me better. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I'll keep doing that for as long as I can. Apparently it makes you hot and sexy too, according to you. So listen to that. Uh, we've got a couple folks here. I didn't say sexy, but yeah. Oh, come on now. Uh, you and those red glasses, meow, pussycat. Uh, you got a couple of, of fans and friends here. KP, Nathan DeRover, John Furness all said, Hey, don't have a question. Just tell you, we're so happy to have you back in IndyCar. IndyCar's much better place, uh, with you there driving, wishing you good luck. So. That's all really, really sweet of them. Um, Try and keep it that way. Yeah, yeah. Keep those friends. Don't make them not friends. Uh, why don't we ask one more serious question, and then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap up the show with one or two more right after that. Our pal Andy Merrick says, Seb, give it enough time. Uh, trials in life often create unexpected mental breakthroughs. So he's curious if you learned anything new about life or yourself in the past 12 months as a result of missing most of this IndyCar season and also this crazy year where we've had COVID. Just curious, have you learned anything or grown as a person? 
Yeah, I hate watching races, IndyCar races on TV. That's that's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I just do not enjoy it, especially when you know you want to be part of it. That's that's one. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, I I think it's it's uh, reinforced the fact that uh, I love my family. Uh, we had no issues, no desire to kill each other. Uh, so that that just means that I guess we're on the right path. Year's and, not uh, over. No, 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 no. But I mean, now I'm gone all the time. So I mean, if it had to happen, it would have had to happen. Like you know, obviously, yeah, at Fair some point, point in, in June. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, it's just it's been an, it's been a challenging year. Um, but I I feel like you know we're kind of coming out of it, you know, stronger than stronger than we were before. Because uh, even even more uh, satisfied with with what we have and and content and and uh, cherishing have to be total agreement on this end from there stronger as a result of this and definitely more appreciative uh, of what we do have in life uh, on the home front here as well my man uh let's see justin brockwell you got a question that's a little bit naughty about one of seb's teammates we'll go ahead and uh, take a knee on that one we're trying to make friends not uh, uh end friendships uh, let's go to our penultimate question. One of my favorite words, uh, from a pal who's been sending in a lot of questions of late Rishi Deshpande, who says, Seb, if you were put in charge of designing the next generation IndyCar chassis, what would your dream car design be? And he also asks, would it just be a reskinned Panos DPO one? Uh, <laughs> I, I hope they will, the, the, the project manager will, will really, have the, the luxury and, and the time to kind of look at, you know, everything that's been done, why we've come to, you know, this point and, and, you know, give us a sexy looking car that races well, puts on a good show. Um, and that's enjoyable to drive. Uh, I think that's, that's kind of like, you know, putting it all together. Uh, I think obviously, you know, if, if we look at all the stuff that's been done to the current chassis, uh you know we can say that we've come a long way we can also say maybe it wasn't so great to begin with uh and i and i really hope that um you know we can we can make sure that we don't forget and don't cut corners and and that the the guy who ends up being in charge has the luxury of of doing that um i think you know we've the the tricky part is obviously you know where do you draw the line as far as you know how much downforce and drag and and how good can the car race on super speedways without creating pack racing which is always a concern it's, it's such a fine line and and you know such a difficult job to do um that um you know i hope uh, i hope the success comes around and, and i know it's possible but it's 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 a very very big challenge gonna close the show Oh boy, I almost question whether we should use him or not because it's just a name that brings quality down even further. Matt Swan, uh, someone that you unfortunately had to know while you were driving for Chip Ganassi in the uh, Ford GT program. Um, Matt Swan says, Seb, any chance I can drive your dad's Renault? He says, I got to sit in it last year at dinner. Hashtag well, mechanic dreams. That's that's actually sad that he says that because it's well I mean it's not completely wrong okay I mean it's it's Alpine Renault okay but like it's an Alpine it's not Renault really 
and uh, and I guess you know they're the switching names in F1 and everything. But uh, no jokes aside, it's a it's 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 a great it's a great car. Uh, my dad obviously raised that when he was uh, before I was born, and uh, and he found one and restored it completely uh, uh, by uh, uh, Mr. Loger, which is a, uh, a a fantastic tuner mechanic restorator um back in in Deloche, right next to where I, I grew up uh in in the south of uh south of le mans and and that car is pristine it's it's like it came out of of the dealership <laughs> like and and uh yeah it's it's awesome um my, all the mechanics at ganassi when we did the the barbecue uh, which we used to do i think on the tuesday um prior to the 24 we we're looking at that thing like this is so cool and the, the car is so tiny uh it's the 1600 and and it's it's obviously alpine blue and and it's it's awesome my dad just loves taking alex uh, for a ride in it it's uh, stupid loud uh it's stupid light and uh, and and that's that's the thing. Like, in, it will stay in the family. And my dad wanted to get rid of it because he got busted uh, with a speeding ticket out of <laughs> this world with it. And uh, and he he swore that he was going to get rid of it because you know he couldn't drive that thing slow. And and I and I I pretty much convinced him not to and and to keep it in the family and and we'll pass it along from 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 him to me to Alex and 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 after him hopefully and uh yeah it's it's uh, it's quite quite a piece of history okay well knowing that there's family driving history involved here uh to close the show I should throw in one final question that's your amazing wife who if we're just talking the i racing stuff 6 months ago 4 or 5 months ago she was proven to be pretty badass herself so any plans for the off season for a not a Sebastian Bourdais i racing rig, but a, a Claire Bourdais rig? Uh, what are we going to get her driving? When are we getting her into karting? Uh, what do we call the USF two thousand team that you're going to pay for? I need to I need to know because she might be the one to carry on the family tradition first. Know, maybe maybe I'll retire at the end of twenty one. I don't know. So maybe she's going to be ready to take over. But husband uh, and wife Indy car drivers. I like the sound of that. She uh yeah she was she was on it like I was uh, I was really uh really surprised by how she she got on with it she actually really enjoyed it and uh, and she wanted to do more of those events and uh, yeah Inch and, and TK said that they were on it and going to put it together and stuff but uh, somehow I feel like I, I got to make a phone call to uh, to see where the the, the uh, programmation and the scheduling of that is uh, is at but uh, no just uh, it was a fun thing um I think uh I think if, if she has an opportunity to do it again, for sure she will, because she, she just plain straight enjoyed it, and uh, and she actually was good at it. So uh, sometimes uh, sometimes we turn on the thing, and and uh, and she uh, she you know has some fun, and 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 uh, yeah, she's she's been progressing, and it's been it's been fun to uh, to do it with her. The real talent in the Bourdais house waiting to be unleashed. I love it. Uh, this is just the best. All right, Seb. Well. I don't know what to say other than thanks for joining us. And I really hope this weekend goes well for you. And since you're a guy who's not setting any real expectations for himself, I'll just watch and then text you afterwards and say, are you satisfied? And then we'll see how it goes from there. Does that sound about right? Sounds good to me. 
All right, brother. Well, thanks to you. Thanks to Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, Bell Racing Helmets USA, your AJ Foyt racing team, that fine Team Chevy that's behind you, all the good stuff that's going to take place this weekend. Thursday practice, Friday race. There's weird stuff going on. Be sure to tune in, and we'll talk to you next week.